Leanne Naylor, Can't Sleep, Won't Sleep. This is episode 128 with Lisa Victoria, our co-host in the UK Alternative Health Tools podcast, where together we discover and share new alternative health tools and resources from alternative healthcare practitioners and experts. Welcome back to another episode of Alternative Health Tools. I'm Lisa Victoria. I'm a holistic health coach and I'm one of your co-hosts along with John Beethan and Kim Shea. And today we're talking about sleep, can't sleep, won't sleep. And we're joined by the wonderful Leanne Naylor, who's a clinical lead in the NHS in the UK, a clinical hypnotherapist and a sleep consultant. I'm really looking forward to this episode today. I know many people who have had sleep issues or sleep challenges in the past and maybe going through that now. And it's just going to be a wonderful episode today. We're going to talk about sleep myths, quality versus quantity, why sleep is so important and how it underpins our everyday living. So we're talking about mental, emotional well-being. And also we're going to share some tips and advice for our listeners today. So thank you so much, Leanne, for joining us and gifting your time to this show and our listeners. So would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Lisa. Yeah, thank you so much. It was lovely, lovely introduction. And um, thank you for inviting me. Pleasure to be here. So yeah, I, my name is Leanne Naylor, everyone, and I am a clinical lead in the NHS in the UK. Um, I am also a therapist, hypnotherapist, and a sleep consultant. Yeah, so, so why sleep an important part of what you do and how you kind of have embedded that into your coaching programs and practices? Yeah, okay. So it all started off really um, working in the NHS in mental health. I saw consistently how people I was working with for depression, psychosis, emotional dysregulation, anxiety, whatever it may be, quite often there was a sleep issue there as well because they go hand in hand but I was noticing that the sleep was also it was always kind of like second in line it was never seen as a predominant issue which really baffled and frustrated me if I'm honest because if we've got poor sleep it's going to impact our mental health it's going to impact our physical health our concentration our focus um, our emotional well-being so I kind of picked up on that early on and it stayed with me for a while. But it was also, I kind of looked at the bigger picture in society as a whole and how sleep really isn't up there. We hear about dieting and exercise. We hear about, you know, um, looking after yourself, self-care, self-love. But what's that really mean? And if we're not sleeping properly, not sleeping well, then we're going to be impacting all of that, our self-care, our physical well-being our diet, our exercise, our emotional well-being, all of that is impacted by our sleep. So um, that's how it all began. And then I kind of looked at myself and actually thought, well, if this is something I'm going to move forwards with, am I taking all of this on board myself? And then it became apparent (laughs) very quickly (laughs) that I'd had my own sleep issues. And actually my sleep wasn't as good as I thought it had been. And it stemmed back to, you know, early in my childhood. Well, I was a very um, 
I might call me a hyperactive child, shall we say. <laughs> um, and then, you know, calm down. And then as I, as I grew up and you go through life, and, you know, life's full of curveballs, isn't it, at times. And I had some challenges, uh, maybe some what you call toxic relationships and extra stress and maybe some anxiety as well, a bit of low mood. My sleep, I noticed a pattern there where it was linked. My sleep would just be completely horrendous. And at one point, I wasn't sleeping any more than sort of 20 minutes every hour. And that went on for months, months and months and months. Yeah. Um, How I managed to continue working and surviving at all, I don't know, but I did. Um, And it really was a big wake-up call to actually, you know, I need to look at sleep more myself and for other people. This is really, really important here. I nearly lost everything because I couldn't sleep. And I had so much emotional and trauma work, if you like, to do from previous relationships that I'd kind of left. But I'd push them to the back of my mind and not let go of them. And then whenever a big stressful event came up, like moving house or, or what have you, my sleep would be impacted and then all that would come back, flashbacks, nightmares, kinds of thing. So it was all interlinked. And that was the other, the, the other part to it is that pushing things away, not dealing with them, um, can only work for so long with, with all of us. Um, we have Amazing. To yeah. Thank you for sharing and what a journey and <laughs> huge, huge insights there into sleep patterns and how they interact with other elements of health and you know, exactly as you've said there, if we push things to the back of our minds, at some point it's going to come and tap you on the shoulder and remind you that it's still there if if it's it's past trauma that you've not dealt with in, in your words. And sleep sleep absolutely fascinates me. I, you know, resonate with what you're saying. I've been through periods in my life where I've not slept and usually they're periods of kind of heightened stress or the external environment changing and how we respond to that impacts on our sleep doesn't it so yeah yeah it's wonderful thank you so much for exploring this topic for us because I'm sure our listeners out there are probably thinking well yeah I can resonate with some of that too (laughs) so um so and one of the questions I want to ask you and it might not be relevant now but I was just thinking about you know these um electronic devices the smart watches now that people wear for sleep and monitoring their sleep and I mean, what what are your thoughts on those? Do they give good feedback or is it feedback that should be taken with a pinch of salt? Because actually, you know, we're talking about sleep myths next. It's it's quality versus quantity. And, and do we get the right feedback from those devices? Exactly. It's all about quality rather than quantity. Now, it's it's a little bit of both, to be completely honest. So, for example, ideally, the, the average adult really requires between seven to nine hours in every 24 in terms of the amount, give or take a little bit. You know, if you're sleeping something like, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 hours a night, then I'd be wanting to review that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little bit too much. And again, if you're only sleeping four hours a night, you might be okay doing that. But is that really sustainable long term is what you need to be thinking about. Yes. Usually no is the answer. I used to, so work, between... I used to work with a gentleman you're talking about sleeping little and um... – he averaged about three and a half, four hours a night. And he said, I feel fine and was drinking lots of coffee. And I was thinking, surely at some point, this isn't, this isn't going to end very well. This was years ago, this colleague, I don't actually know. I haven't spoken to him for a long, long time, but um, I just remember thinking, surely that's not sustainable. And that's exactly what you're saying, isn't it? Is being aware, I guess. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, because, 
you know, some people have done it for such a long time, they'll say, well, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I've been doing it for, say, 5, 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or whatever. And okay, you might be okay now, but there is going to come a point where things will start to show up and that will be as a consequence of the fact that you're not having either enough or good quality sleep. And that can show up in physical format, not just emotionally or feeling moody and grumpy. You know, sleep is the only time that uh, our body is able to repair and restore itself. There's no other time in our life, only when we're sleeping, and particularly in certain stages of our sleep as well. So if we're only sleeping, say, for three hours, we're not going to be getting all the stages of sleep, which means you're not going to be getting good quality sleep, and you're certainly not going to be repairing and restoring all your bodily organs, your cells, everything. Um, your liver, your kidneys, your heart, your mind, you know, processing memories, thoughts, feelings, etc. So, um, you know, it, it really, really is so important. And in terms of the quality, it's it's about waking up feeling refreshed, feeling like you've had a good sleep. And if you're not feeling like that, or you haven't felt that for a long time, or you can't even remember when you last woke up feeling nice and refreshed from a good sleep, again, I'd be, I'd be saying, hey, I think you need to have a look at this. Amazing. Um, what great advice. And I think that's, that's one for our listeners, isn't it, to think about, do I feel refreshed in the morning rather than have I had eight, seven, eight, nine hours sleep? And that's okay. It's how are you feeling in the morning? Is that is that the proper feedback kind of measure you would say? is a good indicator as to if their sleep's good enough. Yeah, it's one of them. It's one, it's one of the indicators I look for. You know, I want, I want people to wake up feeling refreshed, energised, confident, happy, you know, a little bit of a spring in their step, if you like. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to be jumping out of bed, but to feel like, you know, I've had a really good sleep. That was good. Let's go on with the day. Um, because all of those things, if you're having a good sleep, you should, you should be feeling. Um, and going back to your original point about sleep apps and things, it's a little bit of a grey mm-hmm. area for me <laughs> because, um, number one, I'm all for less gadgets, less medication. Let's look, at, let's look at this from a holistic point of view. And number two, they can help, okay? They can help to a certain extent. But like you said, I would definitely advise people to take it with a pinch of salt. Because they're not that accurate. They can't, they're not in your mind. So unless they are, they're not going to pick up everything. You know, you can, you've got to think about things like, you know, it might say that you've, you've woken at this time because it's heard a noise in your room. Well, that could be ruffling the duvet. It could be the dog barking. It could be the neighbours banging downstairs if they, if they, you know, and they're building in the middle of the night or whatever. <laughs> you know, it could say sometimes it will get the different stages of sleep wrong. Sometimes it's good to look at in that respect. So I have had people come to me and say, look, Leanne, I'm sleeping nine hours, but I'm waking and feeling like I'm, I'm not sleeping at all. My, my sleep app showing me this. And that can give you a little bit of an indication that maybe they're not getting enough deep sleep, good quality sleep, the restorative sleep. But it's not that accurate still. So it can be, I'd use it, like you say, as a pinch of salt and a, and a guide, a very kind of loosely fitted guide. I wouldn't rely on them at all. Not even the state of the art ones. Don't get into trouble. Um, but yeah, you know, by all means, use them. If you think that you're waking in the night and you're not quite sure, they're quite good for that. So, you know, some people 
think they might be talking in their sleep a lot and moving around a lot, but it will pick up things like that. Yeah. That's positive. That's good because you can learn from that. And actually, I think that's a really good point you've made there. Somebody's got kind of maybe some anxiety relating to sleep and they think they've not slept at all. Actually, the app could say you were actually asleep for X amount of time. So it might actually give them some positive reinforcement to know that actually they're their thoughts about how they sleep are actually unfounded and they're actually getting some sleep that might give them some more confidence yeah. to go to sleep. But it's kind of on a more of a superficial level is what I'm hearing from you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you, you've, you're really, you know, spot on there. It can help reassure people as well, particularly in those situations. But, you know, just don't be bit, like, a bit like Dr. On Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly like that yeah Dr. I was working with a doctor's practice the other day and I went into um an aged doctor's room and she had a mug on her desk and she said please don't mistake google for my medical degree <laughs> and don't confuse the two and I just you know thought that was wonderful Absolutely I just love thought that. you know you know these professionals have trained for ages and then we always do a search engine don't we and um it's got some wonderful information on there, but uh, always speak to an expert, I think, is is the point we're saying here. There, there's other wonderful tools Definitely. out there to give us guidance, but actually getting to the bottom of it with an expert is is really good. And we talked about the quality versus quantity, but the, you've, you touched on there about the different stages of sleep. And, you know, I'm aware of from from the training that I've done different stages of sleep but for the benefit of our listeners should we just share a little bit about the the stages of sleep and why they're important yeah sure because it's really it's really good information to know and it gives you a good sort of baseline insight into sleep so sleep we have a call what we call a sleep cycle okay and this can vary between person because of our internal body clocks so there's you kind of follow this, but there's a bit of individuality to it as well. So you've got roughly, say, five stages. Okay. Now, this is arguable. Some people say six. It depends. But we'll say, let's stick with five for now. Um, and the first stage is the initial stage when you're, you're in bed. And you're sort of drifting between consciousness and sleep. You're kind of drifting off, if you like. And then you kind of move into stage two, roughly sort of, varies again between person but around about five 15 minutes then you'll depends how tired you are um into stage two and this is where you'll start to feel or find um if you're still slightly conscious and aware at this point of your heart rate slowing down your brain's starting to do less complicated tasks so that's starting to slow down as well and then again moving on to stage three and a sort of 15 minutes or so later this is where you start to go into non-REM sleep. So that's non-rapid eye movement sleep. Okay. The delta stage. Some of you may have heard of that. And this is where the body's starting to make repairs. So like I was talking about earlier, sleep being the um, of time to repair and restore. This is where it starts to begin. And then we kind of move on over to stage four. And this is where the body temperature and your blood pressure starts to drop as well. I'm starting to cool down, starting to really, really kind of relax now and just, you know, make, feel, feel ourselves, our arms and our limbs a little bit sort of heavier. You're still kind of slightly with it. And then you're going to move into stage five, okay? And this is where, so it's roughly around sort of 90 minutes after we first kind of gone to sleep or started to feel sleepy. 
Uh, and then stage five, this is this is where REM takes place. That is your rapid eye movement. Okay. And this is where you'll find an increase in eye movement, uh, heart rate, breathing, blood pressure, your temperature, and you're more likely to dream in this state. It's also the stage where you're more likely to have lucid dreams as well, because some people might have heard of those or be wondering if they exist. Yes, they exist. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to drop that in there as well. So that's your, that's your, your basic sleep cycle, if you like, and what happens at each stage. So you can see just based on that, that if somebody is only getting 20 minutes every hour or 10 minutes here, five minutes there or a couple of hours, they're not going to be able to go through those stages fully. Not only that, we actually cycle through those stages several times through the course of the night in order to repair and restore on Mm -hmm. each cycle. So... If you're only sleeping for, say, I don't know, an hour at a time or an hour at all, you're not even going to get through the four or five stages properly, never mind to do any more than one cycle of it. So, you know, it just shows, doesn't it, from a physiological point of view, how important sleep is. It's really interesting. I remember reading, reading a book by um, Stephen Walker. I think we mm-hmm. talked about yeah. it, didn't we? <laughs> and one of the things that kind of stuck in my mind was um he told a story about a person who was quite sleep deprived and they felt fine which what we were talking about earlier and actually when they monitored and measured their reactions they um were just as, as poor at reacting whilst driving as somebody who was over the um legal alcohol limit and i just found that really fascinating it stuck with me for so long because it's that illusion of we feel fine but actually are we really operating mentally physically emotionally at the level not only for our own safety and well-being but for others as well and i just remember that really sticking with me and I love how you've described the cycles there. That was really brilliant. Thank you so much and very insightful. And it's really important, isn't it, to go through those cycles and make sure we're getting enough of them uninterrupted as well because they each play a part, don't they, in in our health and well-being. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, what you were saying there about the reaction time and things, it's so true. I mean, that, the book is, is amazing. And if anyone hasn't read that book, I would suggest that you do if you really want to find out some more about your sleep and understand sleep and, and its importance and how it works. I'll put a link in the show notes for any of our listeners. So oh, that would they be can, fair. Um, yeah. 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 And also, you know, and that's why, you know, talking about reactions and things, you know, sleep, can, if we're not getting good quality sleep, then it can and often will impact our concentration our focus, our reaction times, our ability to self-regulate, both emotionally and physiologically. You know, it'll be, it impacts our ability to communicate, socialise, relationships generally. I mean, imagine you, know, you're, you run a business or you're in a, in a boardroom exec meeting or team manager or with a colleague. You know, if you're not sleeping properly, the chances of you turning moody very quickly <laughs> is very high <laughs> so you know thinking about that you know how how you might not be very quick at re- reacting in terms of physical ability like driving or athletes and, and being in the gym and training lifting weights running what have you 
But in terms of your reaction emotionally in social situations, it can go the opposite way. Go very um, quickly. And we can yeah. snap. <laughs> exactly. And haven't, haven't we all experienced that at some point <laughs> when we've been, especially with jet lag, right? It's like, yeah. oh, God, that jet lag. It's just that um, you can feel it, can't you? And you just feel like you're really agitated. And anything anybody says, it's almost like it could aggravate you, couldn't it, in the wrong way? Yeah. And I, and funny you mentioned jet lag actually, because that <laughs> reminds me of um, a time when I flew to uh, Las Vegas, ironically, the, the place that never sleeps, right? And um, the, the flight had been delayed. Uh, I didn't really sleep too well on the plane because um, it, was a, it was a really busy flight. I remember getting off the plane and the people I was with all excited and I, and I just put my sunglasses on I was like don't, don't even talk to me <laughs> <laughs> don't even talk to me leave me alone <laughs> so you know that, and that was because I hadn't had my sleep so yeah not available easy. for interaction right now <laughs> oh I love that that's brilliant I might, I might get that and put it on my door <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so you know sleep I'm talking about what we're saying about reactions and sleep and it's important you know it's it's also linked to things like slow walking. If you're into weightlifting, for example, I, mean, I love CrossFit, so this was a big one for me as well, is it can actually impact your grip strength as well. Not only the weight that you lift and your posture, but also your grip strength and greater difficulties at performing independent tasks as well. Um, and interestingly, the research on, on that lack of it is more unfortunately sorry ladies of a certain age but it's heavily weighted to ladies middle-aged over <laughs> where it impacts us more interesting so um any any ladies sort of 40s 50s and above listening to this just bear that in mind when you're down the gym <laughs> or walking or doing anything physical you know make sure you get your sleep in <laughs> and that's a really interesting point there you bring up it's um ladies of a certain age so actually from your experience of working with clients, do people typically, apart from if there's anything external going on in life, the events that might happen that perhaps you know trigger an emotional response, which can then impact on our sleep, are there any kind of patterns in terms of people's age or gender that you, you know, kind of see coming through? Do people have challenges at different times in their life, and is there anything that they can do to kind of? kind of preempt themselves for those and help their health and well-being as they approach that time in their life is there something physiological going on as well mm. that's a good question <laughs> I mean I, I my clients I work with clients who have got a sleep issue or sleep problem whether it's insomnia or sleep disturbance of some kind it's not just insomnia but just a sleep issue maybe they're just struggling to get to sleep because they've got lots of thoughts on their mind or something where there isn't a physiological issue underpinning it and usually, usually there isn't anyway, because sleep's innate, okay? We're born to sleep. If you think, anyone who's got children will know that they, even if they don't sleep at night, <laughs> they, they will fall asleep in the high chair, they'll fall asleep in the car, they'll fall asleep in the buggy, on the train, wherever it may be, they'll fall asleep, right? They don't go, oh, I'm not going to sleep now. It doesn't work like that. They'll just fall asleep whenever they need to because it's innate. We're born with it. Whereas things like insomnia is learned. It's a learned behavior, okay? So you, all the clients I work with, there is no physiological reason underlying it. Now, for some people, there might be if they've had like a brain injury or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's slightly different, okay, because there could be an, uh, you know, an issue there with the brain. 
if it's not due to something like that, it's a learnt behaviour. Now, when I say a learnt behaviour, I don't mean you've gone out there and purposefully learnt how not to sleep. <laughs> Obviously not. Um, it's something we've done usually to protect ourselves. So because there's an emotional issue underlying it of some description, and that could be a fear of going to sleep because we've had a traumatic experience at night time or scared of the dark for some reason. Anxiety, and that could be anxiety because we're an anxious person and we've got anxiety because of something we've experienced in the past, Some kind of, again, some kind of trauma. It could be that we've got anxiety about going to sleep because that's an actual issue in itself, which is called somophobia. Yeah, it could be things like feeling stressed. You know, you might, might have a really stressful job, particularly at the moment in the current climate, people having to really change and pivot their working lives to being more or less completely online, where well, we are here in the UK at the moment because we're in lockdown. So all the challenges that brings, the extra stresses that can bring, as well as some positives. You know, there's a lot of people working from home with children right now. Mm. <laughs> good stressful, luck isn't it? yeah good luck everyone um so you know all those challenges that life's bringing and throwing at us at the moment um is enough to throw anyone's sort of sleep and stress off kilter you know so um they're the kind of things that i see often and in terms of age i work with all different ages and i don't say no to people i want to help people with their sleep um, and the earlier that's recognised and dealt with, the better, as with anything. But in terms of pattern, I would say women, sort of 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, that kind of, and that's a large bracket, but that's the, the, the one where the median is, if you like. You've got their own businesses or they, you know, they're quite you know, they're high achieving. And they've had a sleep problem for almost as long as they can remember. But when I pin them down to it, go, well, how long has this been going on for? Oh, well, you know, a few years. And then we get into the nitty-gritty. And it's been like, right, well, I don't remember when I last woke up feeling refreshed. Or it was before I had children. That's quite a common one. Okay, how old are your kids? 20, 25, right then. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but we need to look at this, don't we? <laughs> you know, and it might be, oh, well, you know, I've just struggled getting to sleep. I'll toss and turn for a few minutes or half an hour or even a couple of hours and then I'll wake up at four and I might go back to sleep at six and all that kind of stuff which people go oh it's just life I'm just used to it yes okay you're used to it great because you just got on with life but and unfortunately it's, it's become their new norm hasn't it so they've just yeah. accepted it as well I sleep okay but actually compared to what and mm. When exactly you take that. them back to when they used to sleep really well, there's probably going to be a huge gap or a gap yeah. to an extent. Yeah. And, of course, over that period of time, that way of sleeping or lack of becomes the norm, like you said. And the brain loves what is familiar. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. It just loves what's familiar. So, you know, hence why people form addictions so easily to things because – you know, the brain doesn't recognise it's right or wrong. It just, when a behaviour becomes familiar, it loves it. You know, it thrives on routine and structure and consistency. Again, that's innate routine, what we need for routine and structure. So, you know, if it becomes your norm that you take two hours to get to sleep, you wake up several times a night, then you're just going to think, oh, well, you know, it's not until you stop and think and reflect and become fully aware, actually, this isn't right or this needs to improve. I need to do something about this. 
that you realize, hmm, <laughs> let's really look at this and maybe sort of reflect and become really aware of what's going on. And I think that's the first step is the awareness. It's huge, isn't it? It's the awareness mm. for general health, I think, as, as well as we're talking about sleep. Because quite often when I see clients, they come to me when it's got too bad rather than when they've had the signs over the years kind of just knocking on their door. And it, it's at that pain point, isn't it, is when it gets bad enough that you actually want to do something about it. And Exactly that. I think yeah. what we're saying today is to question your sleep and your sleep quality. How are you feeling in the morning? Are you mm. getting enough? Do you think that you're getting through enough of the cycles in the evening? And actually challenge yourself and ask yourself that question and maybe just take some time to reflect on that because certainly from my experiences, we can always sleep better. Oh, and definitely. I've had periods in my life where I've not slept very well with the chronic fatigue. And exactly as you described earlier, you know, I could be sleeping 14, 15 hours a day and still not waking up feeling refreshed. And it, it's huge, isn't it? It's, it's something underlying is going on. And I've kind of been on my own journey. And, you know, currently I'm sleeping very well. And I have a good relationship with sleep, which is amazing. But I have been you know, on the other side of the coin where I've not slept well. So I think what we're saying to people is don't don't leave it as late as I left it where I ended up with chronic fatigue and actually just start to challenge your sleep now by asking yourself the question is, what's my sleep like? How do I feel about sleep? Am I, you know, you said earlier, some people are anxious about going to sleep or they're fearful of the dark or based on past experiences. So I think that'd be a lovely exercise for our listeners to do is just to take a, a moment to reflect on actually what is going on for them and is it good mm. enough? Oh, definitely. I encourage all my clients to reflect on their sleep and really think about it and actually work with them and ask them questioning, if you like, to get them to really think about these things. And then they go, oh, yeah, and this, and this. I'm like, here we go. It's all coming out now. <laughs> um, and to keep like a, a sleep diary, that's a good one because, you know, sometimes I can't hold it on my head. And I wouldn't want you to because the more you're holding your head, the, the less chance you'll be able to sleep easily anyway. so <laughs> I've got to remember that's... to tell Leanne this. <laughs> I can't sleep. <laughs> exactly, I can't exactly. It. <laughs> Contradictory, hey. So, yeah, write, write these things down, definitely. Keep a journal, keep a log, just like a bullet point in a notepad. It doesn't have to be anything fancy yeah um just it get it down on paper so you yeah, can, they it can give you as much information yeah yeah freeze the mind and think more logically think calmer and therefore sleep easier that's wonderful I, i'm just circling back to one of the things you said that sleep's innate but insomnia is learnt and you know i think that moves us quite nicely into the kind of tips and advice which we've already started doing and asking them to think about creating a, a sleep journal or sleep notes whatever that looks like for them just to start to create something that they can reflect on so what other tips and advice have you got for our wonderful listeners okay so definitely yeah if you're if you haven't reflected on your sleep um and you think and this is making you think about it a little bit more which i hope it is definitely make a note of it keep a notepad and a pen or pencil by the bed and i'm specific on that folks Pen and paper, please. I know it's old-fashioned, <laughs> but um, it leads me on to point two, gadgets, okay? Now, we've all got a phone. Most of us have a mobile phone, all of that, iPad, TV, laptop. Great. 
wonderful things. But when it comes to sleep, if you're struggling with your sleep particularly, you need all those things away from you. I don't want any TVs in the bedroom. I certainly don't want them on. <laughs> as for mobile phones, if you use them as an alarm, uh, hands up, I do, then that's fine. But keep it face down um, so there's no light radiating off it during the night or if any notifications come through. Also, keep it on the floor. So out of sight, out of mind, no lights off it, um, at least an hour, absolute minimum, ideally two hours of no gadgets before bed. Okay, no TV, no phone, no iPad, no laptop. And if you're thinking, oh, what should I do there in that time? Read an actual book. <laughs> um, or just lay there and, you know, do a little meditation, maybe. Think about, you know, whatever you like to think about, going to a beach or what a good sleep looks like for you because that's, that's very individual. And then I would also say routine. Okay. So we've got sleep journal. We've got removal of gadgets. Okay. And tip number three is routine. And by that, I mean a daily routine first. Start off with that first before we even get to a nighttime routine. You need to have a daytime routine to begin with, because if you haven't, you're going to really struggle to implement a nighttime routine, okay, because they interlink. So start with a day, daytime routine. If you've got a daytime routine and you think it's all sorted and it's working well for you, that's great. Get yourself a nice sleep time routine and keep it consistent. And by that, I mean every single day. If you've got a sleep problem, there's no point in putting a routine together Monday to Friday when you're working and then chucking it out the window come the weekend. You know, it's like it's like being on a diet, isn't it? You, you starve yourself and eat lettuce leaves all week and then you're pigging out on KFC all weekend and wondering why you've not lost any weight. I mean, it's the same with sleep, guys, okay? <laughs> if you want to get your sleep where it needs to be, you need to get yourself a good routine. And okay, once it's sorted, you can be a bit more flexible with it. That's fine. But in the beginning, consistent routine, seven days a week is needed. So going to bed at the same time, getting up at the same time. Um, and having a bit of self-care time before bed is, is good. Whether it's a nice bath, moisturising yourself, just listening to a little bit of music or something like that. Whatever you like to do, reading, having that downtime. So you can calm down the solar plexus and the nervous system. Um, and think about the vagus nerve and all of that. I won't go too much into that now because that's a whole new topic. But, you know, just to calm down the senses and things is really useful. And don't eat too close to bed. So I know back in the day, my grandma used to say, oh, here's a nice hot cup of milk and a biscuit before bed. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yes, milk's got um, a chemical in it which can potentially aid your sleep. But at the same time, what it does is it fires up the digestive system. You know, it's like fuel for the body, isn't it? We don't want that. We're relaxing, we're calming. Yes. The digestive system needs a sleep time mm -hmm. to repair and rejuvenate itself and move any toxins out of the body. So, you know, keep, make sure you have your evening meal a good sort of three hours before you're planning on going to bed. Don't have any snacks and biscuits before bed. And make sure you're hydrated. Yeah. Simple. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so simple, but some wonderful tips and tools there. And yeah. We say it sounds simple, but in, in practice, it, it does take a little bit of conscious thought, doesn't it? Yes, to start it does. becoming aware of what um, is your current routine. Do you have a routine? If you do have one, challenge it. If you don't have one, think about creating one. And all the wonderful kind of tips that Leanna's given us is, is how can you start 
um, embedding them into your routine. And, you know, you've, talk, you've touched on nutrition there. You've talked, you know, about rest and relaxation. And they're all fundamental parts of, of holistic health, really, aren't they, in terms of calming us down, ready for sleep. Yeah, I, I think it's just wonderful. And, yeah, it's it's so, so important, isn't it, to get those foundations in place. And I chuckle because, you know, quite often when I work with clients, you know, they say, oh, yeah, I've been really good all week, but actually on the weekend I did da-da-da. And you think, no, <laughs> because <laughs> it's it's about creating that routine. And, and like you say, once you've got that routine, then you can introduce a little bit of flexibility. So I think the message to our listeners is if you've got something – going on that you want to address then actually having that consistent routine to start with is going to really really pay off in the long run yeah it is and that's where that's where it starts really from a practical sense you know it's all about like you're saying earlier when, when people decide you know you hit the nail on the head there Rita. it's when people decide to decide because you know you've got to want this you've got to want to put in the effort whether that's practical tips, routines, you know, having therapy to undo anything that's negatively holding you back, emotionally, mentally, and potentially physiologically as well. Um, you've got to want it, and you've got to be willing and committed and motivated to want the change. Yes. Yeah. It's so, so important. It's a really important point because I think it's so easy, isn't it, to take a sleeping tablet and hope that's going to fix the issue. But actually, we're treating the symptom, not the cause. And all the tips you've given is getting back to that root cause and putting the foundations in place so you don't have to then take something that's not natural to to manage the symptom. And what we're trying to do here is get to the root cause and create that wonderful foundation of beautiful exactly. sleep. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It's all about getting to the root cause. You know, medication's got its place, don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-medication, but I am a little bit anti-medication when it concerns sleep because I know you don't need it. And actually, you know, it's a, it's a plaster to the wound. It doesn't deal with the root cause at all and can actually en end up leading, you know, leading you to having secondary issues um, with the medication side of things. So, you know, you don't need that. There's lots of things you can do without needing to resort, resort to medication. And that goes back to your point, doesn't it, about wanting the change because actually it's so easy to take a tablet just before bed, but actually it's a little bit more of conscious effort to start putting different foundations in place because we have to think about a routine. We have to actually do things differently, which which does take a little bit of conscious choice doesn't it so you know exactly like you said there's there's a time and a place for medication but it's then looking at how you can support yourself long term that's it yeah and these things you know people often think that without because we live in such a fast-paced society everybody wants everything done yesterday right so that's why medication so in a way the most preferred option for a lot of people because they just want to resolve it at the click of a finger but what they're not realizing is it's not resolving it like i'm saying it's a plaster to the wound and then you talk about therapy and things, and people have this idea that therapy is something that has to go on for, for, for months or years even. And that's not always the case, and particularly with sleep. You know, I work with people all the time. Like I was saying earlier, we've had sleep issues for, for decades, and they've come to me, we've worked together, and over a few sessions, usually only around sort of a handful of sessions at that, so maybe a couple, couple more, 
the sleep's completely resolved. They're now sleeping all the way through night, feeling refreshed, feeling, you know, wonderful upon waking. I had a lady recently who um, came back to me. She, um, what did she say to me? She, she messaged me and she said, Leanne, I wish to complain that this sleep thing isn't working. I woke up at 8.55am and I was asleep by 11.30pm. Fortunately, I didn't even, I wasn't having an early start. How amazing was that? Now, for this particular lady, this is a lady who hadn't slept properly for over three decades. And she'd just slept from 11.30pm straight through till five to nine in the morning. Amazing. For the first time ever since she can remember. Um, and we were literally, you know, we worked together, I think she had about four sessions. Yeah, that was, that was pretty, that was really good. That was a really quick turnaround there. So you see, it doesn't have to be this long-term seeing a therapist every week for the next year or two. <laughs> you know, it, therapy can be quick too. And I guess you got that result just by using the, the tips and tools that you shared with the listeners today, but making it bespoke to her situation and working with yes. her on what was going on in her life and looking at lifestyle and things like that and making sure that those foundations were in place. Exactly. So it was a combination of the practical strategies most of which we've talked about today and some others, the mindset work, um, therapy, all com- combined together with a bit of um, energy work as well. I find that's really key as well, looking at the energy. So combining all of that together during our sessions and our work together gets these incredible results. That's phenomenal. Yeah. I think, gosh, it just kind of sums it up amazingly well, doesn't it, that actually there's hope if you're not sleeping, there's hope out there for you. And it doesn't Definitely. have to just be, in your words, putting a, a you know a plaster on the wound. It, it's getting to the root cause of of the issue and, and, yeah, and resolving it and oh, taking away all that resistance. It doesn't have to be difficult, does it? Yeah. It's, no, it's all not at all. I mean, no. it's like three decades of not sleeping and then she's sleeping for that block of time. It's like, wow, you know, if yeah. only she'd met you earlier that would have been so wonderful yeah yeah I know and she'd said that we're, we're still you know we're still in touch now it's lovely and um yeah she's very grateful which is nice so um so yeah you know like I say it doesn't have to be that hard it really doesn't you know we need to take this notion away from it being difficult and I think sometimes that's because people put sleep on a pedestal we're born with it it's part of us you know just just look look inwards <laughs> it's there the answer answer always lies within amazing thank you so much Leanne is there anything else you want to kind of share with our listeners or just to wrap up how would you kind of sum it up for them um I would just like to sort of reiterate really that you know sleep is innate okay we're born with it insomnia and most if not all of our sleep issues we can't I getting sleep waking in the night will have you they're all learned. So if we can learn it, we can unlearn it. And it doesn't have to be hard. Amazing. Yeah, it can actually be relatively easy. So, yeah, the answer always lies within. I like Where that. The answer always <laughs> lies within and it's not that difficult. So if anybody's struggling out there and this podcast resonated with them, um, Leanne runs some wonderful complimentary sleep groups um, in Facebook at the Sleep Hub. So if you want to get in contact with Leanne, it's leannenaylor.com and that website will be in the show notes, but it's Leanne, L-E-A-N-N-E-N-A-Y 
L-O-R.com. And you can get in contact with her and ask her any questions um, and also join her free sleep group on Facebook, which I know is just amazing. And I just want to thank you so much, Niam, for your time today and your knowledge and your wisdom and your insights, because it's been really, you know, informative. And I think what I've heard today is it's actually take the pressure off. It doesn't have to be that difficult. And there's really simple, effective tools that you've got in your toolbox that you can share with people to help them sleep better, which is just going to affect the whole of their life, which is just amazing. So why wouldn't you want to sleep better when you can have, you know, a a healthier, happier life as a result? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Lisa Victoria. I'm your co-host from across the pond in the UK. And whenever you're listening to this podcast, I wish you a wonderful night's sleep ahead. Until next time, if you loved what you've heard, then please share um, our podcast with your friends. You can find us on Google, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And equally, if you want to share any kind of stories you've got in relation to sleep, then you can go on to alternativehealthtools.com and go to this episode and just click on the blue microphone and you can leave us a voice note. We'd love to hear from you and how you've enjoyed this podcast. So until next time, I'm Lisa Victoria. Take care. Bye-bye. Produced by Heard Not Seen Media, visit imaginepodcasting.com for more information.